0: All right, well, if you uh, have been here the last few weeks, you know that we begin a study of the Gospel of John, and uh, each week, uh, you know, we always have a few new folks that are that are attending, and uh, so I try to do a little bit of review here and there, uh, just to kind of get people up to speed, and of course, we've talked about Uh, the four gospels, the first three being what's called the synoptic gospels because they're very similar in writing and in style and and in their historical record, you know, uh, covering the similar events, not exactly the same, but but similar events. But yet John is very different. John is not uh, a gospel that's written that's similar to the others. It's even, it's a different style and the events that take place Some of them are the same, and then there's some new things that we find out from John, and some different things that the Lord said that we don't have recorded in the first three. Of course, we talk about who most people consider these Gospels to be written to. Uh, Matthew more toward the Jewish Christians, perhaps, or, or to the Jews, so they could see the life of Jesus. Luke more toward the Gentiles, and Mark more toward Gentiles, but particularly those who were in Rome, who needed to understand some things about Jewish tradition or Jewish law, and Amy goes on to explain some of the words that were used uh, in, the, in the scriptures. But John had a specific reason for his gospel. Turn over to chapter 20, we'll read that again, and in verse 30, and he says, John 20, verse 30, and truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Is that that not summing up right there? Is that not the most wonderful two verses you can read? John's writing his gospel so that you may have life in his name, so that you may know about this Jesus and be his disciple, be a follower of his, be able to live a full life. Have a heart flowing with rivers of water, as he said at the feast. Wonderful thing, and I want to hone in on that talking about the presence of disciples because we're going to talk about that a little bit today. Last week, we were talking about John the Baptist, and we talked about the fact that it was prophesied that John would come, remember, uh, Malachi, uh, Isaiah, and some others, and many thought that uh, John the Baptist, who was baptizing and preaching out in in the wilderness, was the Christ that had come, and what was the first thing that John said? I am not the Christ. I am not the Christ. I come shouting in the wilderness, speaking out in the wilderness, right, as it was prophesied. But he did testify to who Jesus was. He didn't necessarily know who he was, right? They were were actually cousins. But he didn't necessarily know who uh, the Messiah was. They didn't necessarily grow up in the same circles, right? But he... Once he realized who he was, he said he was the one who was preferred before John. Remember, Jesus said, there's no one greater born of woman than John the Baptist, right? Yet he says he is the one that was preferred before him. He said he preexisted John. And we read that in the first few verses of the prologue of John 1, right? He was there when the world was created. The word was with God and was God, and he created the world. So he's saying he was always been and always will be. He said he was mightier than John. He was nothing to him. Remember what he said? I cannot even loose his sandals, right? The strap of his sandals, right? He was so much mightier than he. And then what was the last thing that John did? What did he say? He declared Jesus as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So John says, he gives you life. And John the Baptist said, he takes away the sin of the world. He's the great Lamb of God. He's the one who was sacrificed not for tradition, not for the law, for us, that we might have a hope of eternal life. What a wonderful thing. John the Baptist was the forerunner. John the Baptist was preparing the way for Jesus to come, and he testified that the Son of God who baptized, not with water, but with the Holy Spirit, John baptized him, He's heard the words from God that this is his beloved son, remember that? And he knew this was the Messiah. Well, today we're going to get into, and by the way, I did, there are outlines out there if you want to go get one. Uh, I don't, we're not passing them out right now, but there are outlines on the tables if you want to get one. Um, today we're going to talk a little bit about the first disciples that came about after John. Uh, John was, I mean, you wouldn't, you wouldn't necessarily call him a disciple, uh, but he, he was, really, if you think about it. But uh, the first disciples who, uh, who came along, and we're going to read from John chapter 1. And let's move back over there. And we're going to start about verse uh, 35. So read along with me there. <laughs> Again the next day, John stood with two of his disciples. And notice what I just said there. Again the next day, John stood with two of his disciples and that's John the Baptist and looking at Jesus as he walked he said behold the Lamb of God the two disciples heard him speak and they followed Jesus then Jesus turned and seeing them following said to them what do you seek and they said to him rabbi which is to say when translated teacher where are you staying and he said to them come and see So they came and saw where he was staying and remained with him that day, and that was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. Now when Jesus looked at him, he said, you are Simon, the son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated a stone. The following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. And Philip found Nathaniel and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law, and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. All right, let's stop right there for a minute. Let's talk about these guys, these gentlemen, who were first disciples of whom? John the Baptist, as it said there, right? They were first following John the Baptist, this forerunner. John had followers. He had folks following. Him. They thought he was, he was not the Christ. He was somebody great. And they needed to hear what he had to say. They needed to be around him. He was baptizing. They needed to understand what was going on. And here's John that says, there's one better, greater than I. Behold, the Lamb of God, this Jesus. Andrew was from Bethsaida, as we just read, uh, of Galilee, in verse 44. And he was the brother of Simon, Simon Peter, and they were sons, the sons of Jonah. They were also, what else? What was their occupation, remember? Fishermen, yeah, we know all that. <coughs> he is the first disciple, John the Baptist, who pointed, well, well, he was first a disciple of John the Baptist and he pointed him to Jesus. And this happened around in Bethabera or what we would call Bethany, uh, beyond the Jordan. And some think, which I want to point out, that other disciple there, in verse 35, if you go back over there, John stood with two of his disciples, you notice that? Some wonder who that other disciple was because all we hear about there is Andrew. Some say that's probably John. Most likely that was Andrew and John standing there. Not sure, but a lot of people speculate. And you ever, one of the reasons for that is, you know, John, as he writes his gospel, as he goes through the narrative, never mentions himself. He's always speaking in this kind of, I guess it's a third person or whatever. And he refers to himself as whom? You remember? And we'll get into this eventually. As the disciple that Jesus loved, right? He never mentions his own name. Interesting, right? But we know that's who he's talking about. So most likely that second disciple there is John. Anyways, Andrew stayed with Jesus that day. And then he found his, disciple, his, his brother, uh, Simon. Turn over to Matthew chapter 4 for a second. And let's read a couple of verses from there Matthew 4 and we're going to look at uh, let's see verse 18 Matthew 4 18 and Jesus walking by the sea of Galilee saw two brothers Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother casting a net into the sea for they were fishermen and then he said to them follow me and I will make you fishers of men they immediately left their nets and followed him So going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. He called them. And immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. All right. So Jesus officially calls these gentlemen to be disciples. We read that in Matthew. John's narrative kind of talks about the other way, that John the Baptist was pointing out Jesus to them, and they went to see what he was about. But we have it kind of both ways there, right? We kind of see both sides of it. Jesus calling them and them following. <coughs> After John the Baptist was baptized, and actually, if you go back to Matthew chapter 4, I should have said this while we were there. And you might just stay in Matthew a minute because I want to look at a few other verses there too. If I can get back over there. <coughs> uh, Matthew chapter 4, and look at verse uh, 12. That just, to t- just to tell you what's going on at the time. Now, when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he departed to Galilee. All right, so this says, well, this is occurring, really, when he co- does the call after John's been put in prison. So they were probably already following him for a little while, but that's when he departs into Galilee. That's when the call is made, right? So just to give you some t- context there, and then turn over to chapter 10 and verse 2. And let's read, well, let's read verse 1. And when he called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power of unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. Now the names of these 12 apostles are these. First Simon, who's called Peter, and Andrew his brother, James the son of Zebedee, and John his brother. I'm going to stop right there for a second because we'll talk a little more about that later. So here he is calling out the 12 apostles. Um, and he's mentioning these guys in his list. Now look over back in John, and let's get into John chapter 6. I want to see some things that Andrew did that we, that we, that we know about, some other, you know, other things that we know about in his life while he was following the Lord. <coughs> beginning verse, let's go to chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. And of course, you should all know this story, but let's read it. After these things, Jesus went over to the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, and then a great multitude followed him because they saw his signs, which he performed on those who were diseased. And Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. Now the Passover feast of the Jews was near. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes, and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we we buy bread that that these may eat? But this he said to to test them, for he himself knew what he should do. Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish. But what are they among so many? So we have Andrew, he's the one that asked the question, right? He said, here's the, here's the lad with the, with the you know, fish and bread. Yet he asked that question, How, what are they among so many? You ever wondered, though, if Andrew kind of thought, Well, you know, I'm here with the Lord. I'm here with the, the great miracle worker. I mean, you know, I, here's a kid with a little, little food, but, you know, what's that? He's probably thinking in the back of his mind, you know. Well, I, maybe you can do something about that, Lord. Ever thought about that? Anyways, that's very interesting, I think. Learn, look over in chapter 12 there. And let's see what else, something else he's mentioned is doing. Uh, verse 12, about, uh, verse, uh, chapter 12, verse 20. Now there were certain Greeks among those who came up to worship at the feast. Then they came to Philip, who was a Bethsaida of Galilee, and asked him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip came and told Andrew, and in turn, Andrew and Philip told Jesus. So here you have Philip and Andrew working with some Greeks who wanted to see Jesus. And remember, they're thinking he's the king of the Jews, right? He's not king of the Gentiles at this time. So it's very interesting that they would be willing to let him, them see Jesus. Uh, he's also among those who questioned Jesus about the destruction of Jerusalem. I'm not going to go read it, but in Mark 13, first few verses, you can read about that. He's one of the disciples who were asking about what's going to happen, what, what about the end times, what about the times when you're saying this, this temple is going to be destroyed. And then he's also in Acts 1 listed among those in Jerusalem at the ascension of Christ. All right, some interesting things about that, are, that have been written about Andrew don't know that these are true. They're apocryphal, you might say, so that's doubtful, but his mother was named Joanna and was from the tribe of Reuben, so that's, that's interesting to find out about. It's also said that like Thomas, remember who Thomas was? He doubted. He wanted to see Jesus for certain. He wanted to make sure that was him. It's said that he was compelled to believe in the resurrection of Jesus only after touching his feet. Don't have that in Scripture, but that's something that's been written. And then it's also, uh, from other sources, attribute him doing missionary work in Bithynia, Scythia, Greece, and Ephesus, after the ascension of Christ. And it's also thought that he was crucified in Greece, um, perhaps on a cross that was in the form of, a, of an X, because he didn't want to be crucified in the same way that Jesus was. So here we have, he's disciple first of John the Baptist, and then he becomes a disciple of Jesus. What, what does that say about Andrew and his character? Apparently, for one, he, he, he's seeking, right? He's seeking the truth. He, he wants to know the truth. He wants to see the things of God. He's, he's the first one that follows him, right? As soon as John the Baptist says, Behold the Lamb of God, he's following Jesus. He's, he, he wants to know the truth. Interesting. Interesting. That says a lot about his character, doesn't it? Well, who was the next one? We have mention of Simon. And who got Simon to come? Andrew, his brother. Andrew recruited Simon, you might say, and said, come and see. The following, uh, now, so uh, Jesus sees Peter coming, and he's from Bethsaida as well. He's a fisherman, and Jesus names him Cephas, which is the Aramaic for a stone stone. Uh, Peter in the Greek, meaning the same thing, okay? And do you remember a certain scripture a little later where that kind of comes into play? On this rock I will build my church, which today is misconstrued greatly, is it not? Yeah, a lot of folks in Christendom believe that Peter was the first pope or whatever because of this. But if you read the context and you understand it, he's not saying the church is going to build on Peter. Peter had just identified Jesus as the true son of God. He is identifying him as the foundation of the church, the true rock. Interesting how the Lord knew that was coming, probably, right? And he knew giving him that name would play into that. Well, he was fishing by the Sea of Galilee. Turn over to Luke chapter 5. Let's read about that a little bit. Luke chapter 5, beginning of verse 1. So it was, as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the host, from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And he's saying, oh, What's the point? But again, okay, if you say so. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they signaled to the partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. Me. That's a lot of fish. Be kind of cool to have a boat that's sinking because you've got too many fish, isn't it? Anyways. I, well, I guess it's not cool that you're sinking, but it's cool that you've got a boatload of fish. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. There's that impetuousness, right, we know about Peter. Right? When he sees something, he, he's going to say something or do something about it. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook, forsook all and followed him. And it's interesting, when they saw these things, they followed him immediately. There's no hesitation. Uh, he, as I mentioned while I go from Luke 6, was one of the 12 apostles that are mentioned. Uh, And Jesus called to his apostles. Peter becomes pretty prominent, does he not? And we know that because as we continue to read through scripture, he's usually the first name that's mentioned in in the apostle list. He's usually the main character when we see a dialogue between Jesus and, and the apostles. He's usually the one that's speaking. He's usually the one who's mentioned first. Turn over to Matthew chapter seventeen. Let's look at something. Just we'll see about that. Uh, You may have heard before mentioned before that of the inner circle, right? The inner circle of the apostles. Let's read chapter seventeen, verse one. Now, after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, led them up on a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Peter was part of the inner circle. Peter, James, and John. They were taken up for the transfiguration. Apparently the other apostles were not taken up there. Whether they were able to see it or not, I, I don't know. Probably not. But those were the three from the inner circle. And then, what else do we know Peter, about Peter? What's uh, one particular thing that we know about? Impulsive. And toward the end, what does he do? He denied Christ, absolutely. Turn over to John chapter 18, and let's read about that. Verse 24, Then Anna sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Now Simon Peter stood and warmed himself. Therefore they said to him, You are not also one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. And then one of the servants of the high priest, a relative of him who's here, Peter, cut off, said, Did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter then denied again. And immediately a rooster crowed. Remember that? Jesus said, Before the cock crows tonight, you will deny me three times. So he's known for his denial. He's known for his denial of Christ. And what if we said over and over and over? Even till the death of Jesus, They still had that little doubt, I guess you might say, right? They still weren't completely certain. I mean, they'd seen all the miracles, right? They'd seen all the things that he'd done. I just said, they're saying things to Jesus, knowing that he might be able to handle feeding 5,000 with, you know, just a little fish and bread. But yet, there's still something in the back of their mind. They're just not sure. Until when? Resurrection. That's it. That's the difference. That's when they know he's just not another guy that came along and died. This is truly the Messiah, even though they've said it many times over and over, right? He's a key figure in the first half of the book of Acts. One of the leaders in Jerusalem we read about, right? Uh, And we read about in the letters, Paul talks about Peter. Paul talks about the other apostles, particularly in the book of Acts, but we read about his work that's going on. And of course, eventually, we have... An example of Peter having to be told, you're supposed to be preaching to the Gentiles. It's not just the Jews, remember? Remember the vision he has? He's told to go see Cornelius, the Gentile, the centurion. All right. Well, a few apocryphal things about Peter. Supposedly died a martyr in Rome around 67 AD. Again, this is not anything that we know for sure, just some things that... uh, they have come down through tradition or been written about uh, later. Uh, supposedly, he was crucified by Nero, the, the, the very evil emperor of Rome, Nero. And apparently he was crucified upside down because his, at his own request, he didn't want to be crucified like the Lord. Peter's example shows us what? We see Andrew, who is anxious to find out the truth. He wants to see the Lord. He wants to know what's going on. Peter, we, more, we see him more, you know, well, okay, Andrew comes and tells him, but okay, I'll come along, see what's going on. He's just a simple fisherman, right? He's no, he's no great guy, or he, he's just a simple man, like the rest of us, right? Yet, by his knowing the Lord, he's completely transformed. Isn't it interesting to see what we just read about his denial of Christ, the difference in him there. And afterwards, after the day of Pentecost, after the Spirit comes upon them, we read about Peter, where is he after that? First thing, in the temple, preaching, right? No fear, no fear. He's seen the Lord resurrected. What a fantastic transformation. Just like we can have, right? Just like us. All right, back to chapter, two, chapter one. Let's read on couple other fellows we want to talk about here. Go back to verse 43, chapter 1. The following day, uh, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Listen to this next verse. And Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Hmm. Philip said to him, well, come and see. And, and I could picture them saying it like that, right, you know? Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, and here's the Lord knowing the heart. Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom has no deceit. Now, could the Lord be a little sarcastic at times? Sure. You know your children, right? Here comes Bob. He's the one that has no deceit, no guile on that guy right there. He knows his heart. Nathaniel says to him, How do you know me? How do you know this? Jesus says and answer said to him, Behold, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Hmm. Nathaniel answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are, you are the Son of God. You are the king of Israel. There we have. He's already affirming it, right? Jesus answered and said to him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe already? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, Hereafter you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. All right. Well, first here, who's mentioned? We have Philip. We see his background. He's from Bethsaida as well. Philip is a Jewish name? Mm, Philip's really more of a Greek name, isn't it? Kind of different. So perhaps he's, he, he's Jewish, but he perhaps has some Greek connections, right? Greek contacts because of his name. We, we just speculate about that, but perhaps so. In fact, we just read a verse where he and Andrew had some Greeks coming to him to see if they could see Jesus. So perhaps he had some family or something, who knows? somewhere that were Greek, that wanted to know about Jesus. And they came to him because of that. We read about that in Luke 6, about his call to being an apostle. He's one of the 12. He's inviting Nathaniel to come and see. Uh, back in John 6, he was one of those who had, uh, was uh, asking Jesus about, the five, about feeding the 5,000, as Andrew did. And he also, we also read where he, was, uh, work, he and Andrew were working with the Greeks. And then turn over to John chapter 14, and there's a specific verse that you've heard, but you may not remember who said it. Let's look at that. John chapter 14, uh, beginning of verse 5. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. Now that's an interesting question, right? Here he has been walking with Jesus, following, and he asks a question like that. And what does Jesus say? What you would kind of expect him to say, right? Verse 9, Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, Show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me. Or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. What's Jesus saying there? Come on! You ought to know by now. You've seen my words. You've seen, you've heard me speak. What I speak is from the Father, not from me. Come on! Come on, man. I could see him saying that right there. Well, interesting that uh, Philip calls Nathaniel. Before we get to that, though, There's some apocryphal things about him. Supposedly, he was from the tribe of Zebulun. Didn't know that. Uh, And turn over to Matthew chapter 8 real quick. Interesting thing here. Matthew chapter 8. And here's another verse that you've read and heard and perhaps don't remember who was the one saying it. Actually, you don't know who was saying it, but chapter 8. Is that already the first bell? Man. Chapter 8, verse 18, And when Jesus saw great multitudes about him, he gave a command to depart to the other side. Then a certain scribe came and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Then another of his disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, Follow me, and let the dead bury their own dead. Now, I don't know for sure who said that, but many attribute that to Philip. Okay, he supposedly is the one who said, let me go bury my father. Spent later life in Phrygia, or Phrygia and then was crucified there uh, and his invitation to Nathan- Nathaniel tells us what? What does that tell us about Philip? He's going out and evangelizing, right? Immediately, he's already telling other people about Jesus. Come and see. Come and see what he's about. I found him. I found Jesus. Interesting. Alright, moving on. Nathaniel. Uh, what do we know about him? Uh, if you turn over to John chapter 21, I'm going a little fast here because I didn't think, I thought I'd finish early today. And here I am, I'm having to rush. John chapter 21, verse 1. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples of the Sea of Tiberias, and in this way he showed himself. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee. So we know Nathaniel's not from Bethsaida, like the others, he's from Cana. And next week, we're going to get into that a little bit because we're going to read about a wedding that occurs in Cana, and we're going to see, as you know, the first miracle. He's called to be a a disciple and possibly apostleship. Wait a minute, what what do you mean possibly? Well, we'll get into that in a minute. Possibly he was an apostle. He's approached by Philip, of course, and he was very skeptical because Jesus was of Nazareth. Apparently, somebody coming from Nazareth was not very well thought of. Ever ever known anybody that came from somewhere that you didn't think much of them because of where they came from? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Can anything come good come out of Nazareth? Apparently, Part of that was that the prophecy said the Messiah would not come, never said to come out of there, right? And we know the prophecies were true, right? He was born in Bethlehem. <coughs> Yet there was doubt. John chapter seven, turn over there real quick and we'll read about that. John chapter seven and verse uh, 41. Uh, verse 40 therefore many from the crowd when they heard this saying said truly this is the prophet others said this is the Christ but some said will the Christ come out of Galilee has not the scripture said that the Christ comes from the seed of David and from the town of Bethlehem where David was so there was division among the people because of him now some of them wanted to take him but no one laid hands on him then turn over to verse 52 same chapter they answered and said to him are you also from Galilee search and look for no prophet has arisen out of Galilee. Apparently they didn't think too much of Galilee. Of course, they had the prophecies. Prophecies never mentioned Galilee. And they wondered. People didn't expect anything to come out of Galilee. Jesus identifies him as an Israelite who has no deceit. He knows his heart. He sees him as someone who's going to speak his mind, right? He's going to think about these things and say, I didn't think anybody would come out of Galilee or Nazareth, right? But as soon as Jesus says that to him and he realizes that Jesus knows his heart, what does Nathaniel say? Remember, he has no guile. You are the king. You are the son of God. Rabbi, you are the son of God. So he's convinced that Jesus is the Messiah. And Jesus promises him what because of that? Greater things. Greater blessings due to his faith, right? Right? He, taught, he tells him he will see uh, the heaven angels, uh, the angels of God descending and, and, and ascending and descending on him. Don't have time to read it. If you go to Genesis 28, you read the dream of Jacob. That's probably what he's alluding to there, right? Remember the Jacob's ladder? The angels were coming down and up the ladder. God's at the top. Probably alluding to some of that. It also could be a reference to the day of judgment when Jesus comes with his angels. He refers to himself here as the son of man this is the first time we see that in John uh, by the way the gospel writers never refer to him as the son of man only himself Jesus is the only one who does it they always refer to him as the son of God if they say that that emphasizes their humility and their humanity interesting tidbit about Nathaniel if you go back to Luke 6 and do that real quick run out of time. Luke 6, uh, verse 12. Uh, let's see. Let's go down to 14. <clears throat> listing the, listing the, uh, the apostles: Simon, whom he also named Peter, and Andrew his brother, James and John, Philip and Bartholomew. Wait a minute. Bartholomew? Matthew and Thomas, Tom, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon called the zealot, Judas the son of James, and Judas the scared, who also became a traitor. Where, where's Nathaniel? There's, there's a guy named Bartholomew there's no Nathaniel. Well, the Synoptic Gospels never mention Nathaniel. They use a guy's name of Bartholomew, and actually Bartholomew is not a proper name. It means son of Ptolemy. So perhaps, most, and most scholars would say, that Nathaniel is Bartholomew. And that's why I said earlier, possibly he was an apostle. Because Nathaniel's not mentioned in the Synoptics we see the name Bartholomew. So, uh, <coughs> most likely they're the same, <coughs> but it's interesting how the three synoptics have a different name as opposed to what John says. Uh, apophical li- literature, some say he was Simon, the son of Cleopas, don't have time to go read it, but in Luke 24, uh, not Bartholomew. Si- Simon was on the, road to, uh, on the road to Emmaus when Jesus appeared to him after his uh, resurrection. Uh, Some say he's the bridegroom in the wedding that we're going to read about next week in Cana. There's nothing to prove that, but that's apocryphal. And what does the call of Nathaniel reveal about Jesus? And it really reveals about Jesus more than him, right? We find out that Jesus knows the heart here, right? He knows who these men are. We also find out if we have faith, it's going to be strengthened. And we're going to see great things from the Lord because of that. We're not going to see the miracles that he had. We're not going to see that. But we're going to see great things in this world and the next because of our faith. We're out of time, but I want to mention one thing. Use this opportunity to see these disciples as great examples, right? These guys are going to follow Jesus. They're going to do it. Neglecting everything else, they, you know they had families and stuff, they, they followed Jesus even to that point. I'm sure they took care of him, but that's the kind of example we need, right, in our lives. Jesus said in Luke 2, when he was in the temple as a boy, I have to be about my father's business. And I know it's a tough time right now with this pandemic, it's hard to get out and do things, but folks, that shouldn't stop our need to be at work in the kingdom. Elders and the ministers met yesterday and Friday talking about the new year. We have some great things planned, folks, some great works planned. Ministers have come up with some really good opportunities to serve, and I hope, I know the pandemic, we don't know where that's going, we don't know what we're going to be able to do next year, but we have some great things planned, and I hope you will be willing and have a heart for service and take advantage of those opportunities. All right, thanks for being here. Time's up.